Hey there, horny listeners. We talk a lot about safety on this podcast, and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics, and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys, with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space, and none of it's dark, intimidating, or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly. Pick a card, any card. No, not that one. Give it back. And welcome to The Big Top. I am your host, Barney, and today I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with Master Dart, a hugely inspiring and influential kinkster who regales me with his fetish for circus strongmen and discusses the traditions of the Leatherman path and how he came to be the master he is today. Today's listener story is from Alpha Simon, who opens with, Hello! I love your podcast so much. I have been listening since episode one. Oh, thank you. Uh, I get my vanilla boyfriend to listen all the time. He likes learning about kinks. Here is kind of my story. I turned a vanilla human into my handler caregiver. I'm an ABDL pup, yes. I'm also a trans male. That just makes me a little different, but helps play into my little side with my smaller dick. I'm super dirty-minded and I love to make people laugh. Anyways, when I first met him, he knew I was a pup but not ABDL. I asked him if he had one kink he would hate that I was into. He said, that baby shit. I was super worried. (laughs) Yeah. I was super worried but told him I was ABDL and explained why I loved it and how it is for me. Turns out he just had a bad experience, but since he already cared about me so much, he wanted to learn everything he can and even asked to be my daddy. Oh, that's amazing. But he doesn't like to be called daddy. So he is my keeper. I don't want to make this too long because I could talk all day about kink. Anyways, great podcast. Uh, Thank you, Simon, for sending that in. And please keep sending me these. I absolutely love hearing your stories. That was amazing and so heartwarming. Um, As always, if you get the chance to rate and review this podcast, I'd be eternally grateful, only if you want to, of course. Uh, But before we begin, this episode touches on the dangers of religious rhetoric and contains mentions of sexual abuse. So please take care of yourself and skip this one if those topics are triggering for you. This week, the circus is in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I invite you to join me as we go under the big top. I actually, uh, I actually have COVID at the moment, so I'm. Uh, You're kidding me! Yeah, You're doing I, this with COVID. Well, I mean, it, you know, these days it doesn't have to be terribly severe, and um, it and it wasn't for me. I just had a little bit of a congestion, and oh, good. I had one night of fever, but then it, it already broke. But at the same time, I'm still. Just kind of uh, physically weak. So if it sounds like I'm congested on the recording or anything, that's that's why. But <laughs> is that your first time having it? Uh, no, I did have it. I think it was a year ago, and it was a lot more miserable. Yeah. Then, um, I mean, certainly not hugely detrimental, but but um, I thought that this was a head cold. We actually had a a play date scheduled that we were gonna so we could make some new content for the oh. Twitter and. Um, I just, it dawned on me, I'm like, you know, I should probably double check to see if this is COVID. And I did the test and sure enough, I was like, oh, shit, we got to cancel here. So 
Well, I mean, good that you're testing. You have to be the responsible kingster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I the first time I had it, I was completely symptomless. I wouldn't have known I had it if the people I was living with hadn't, like, we all, you know, got tested. And then I thought, oh, great. Okay, so clearly, uh, you know, I'm just one of those, I'm just one of those special people. This isn't gonna, this, this is gonna be fine. I got COVID again, and I was on my back, like, for a good five days, it was absolutely miserable. Oh dear. Yeah. But I'm glad this isn't like terrible for you. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to, well, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to like what it was that I, I really kind of connected with, but I want to know, so you're a Leatherman amongst a myriad other wonderful things, but I want to know, like, when did you know you wanted to be a master? How did that come about? Uh, Okay. So I actually never knew that that's really what I wanted. Um, if if we get into my whole history uh, as a Leatherman and and kind of you know ascribe the the Leatherman culture to my timeline, you know, I mean, if you look into like you know the sort of leather history, there's supposed to be this kind of set path that we're supposedly supposed to go down where. You know, you start off as a boy, and you earn your collar, and you kind of get taken under the wing by a by a sir, and then mm. eventually you become, you know, a sir yourself, and then you you earn your mirror cap, and you're acknowledged by the community, and that gives you the title of sir, and then eventually, you know, it just it, there's a lot of um, traditions. Uh, some of them actually might even be true about you know what what constitutes uh, you know the making of a Leatherman. That certainly was not my journey. Um, I knew I had these desires that I wanted to experience. I knew what I was drawn to, what I was attracted to, and so I I would go out and I would experience them, and then I would like gain connections and I would learn things. But it was certainly not traditional uh, by any means. Um, uh, I learned a tremendous amount of the stuff that I know now through doing fetish porn. Hmm. And um, there was, well, you're all, you're familiar with Mr. S. Yeah. Uh, Mr. S used to actually have a physical, well, there's the Mr. S catalog. And back in the day, it actually used to be a physical paper catalog that um, a lot of people bought just because they found the, the photographs and it enticing. And I modeled for them for a brief time. And then there was also a magazine called Bound and Gag that um, I used to love reading. And then eventually they picked me up as a model and I appeared in like seven or nine issues. And um, that was kind of where I got my initial experience was was wow. doing scenes where there happened to be a camera involved. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I, I started to get experience and I started to get people wanting to play with me and um, wanting to submit to me and that's kind of when I was learning that there were all these traditions and stuff like that that I had to adhere to uh-huh like I would go to these leather gatherings at the at our local bar or you know contests or even IML and then that's when I would like you know these other leathermen would say like well okay so you know who took you under and you know where did you learn this and where did you learn this and I was like oh I, I didn't know I was supposed to do all that and that's kind of when I, I I started to learn that there was this whole other culture that um, I was supposed to ascribe to. So I never really saw myself as a master. Um, you know, I knew that it was something kind of big um, and certainly a, a title that was an honor if it was given to you. But did I ever see myself that way? No, no. How did that, how did that journey end up 
how did you end up there then? Because I'm really fascinated by, because so many of these things, right? Like we're, we're talking about, you know, scribe, um, ascribing labels to things and there is in equal parts, these things all grew from uh, having to create found families because, you know, most of the time we're rejected by our bio families and, and that's where most of these traditions sprung from. But again, I, you know, I came into the scene very, very clueless and naive and not knowing any of these things either. So I'm really fascinated about, you know, at what point those things can be a, a hindrance. And if, if, if they, you know, if that's not the journey that you went on, if that wasn't the thing that um, had the same kind of meaning to you. So I'm really fascinated in like how master came along. Cause I, I, I know a friend who uh, is also a master and again, very, very, very different journey into it. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was, you know the 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 term mastery depicts um, a, a level of experience and command over different elements of one's life. So you have mastery over your own identity. You have mastery over your connection with your community. You have mastery with your sense of family. You have mastery with the people in your family that you interact with. Um, you have you have mastery of your own learning and development, and. I would add that with that includes a, a certain amount of humility. So when the title of master was bestowed upon me and it was given to me by a chosen family in Amsterdam, uh, actually, it came at a time where I felt like this is the wrong time for me to even receive this title. I, Because I, I felt like I had made so many mistakes in my life and I had fallen on my face so many times and I had so many failed relationships and attempts at community endeavors that went south and just, and, and it was at that point that the, the fellow master who gave me my mirror cap said, no, no, that is exactly why you've earned this because you now understand that there is no point of arrival, that, that the symbology of receiving this cap does not mean that you, you stop learning. You've taken mastery of your ongoing development. Mm. So yeah, it was very profound. It was very profound. I was about to say that's a very, very profound place to arrive at because I mean that's true of life, right? That there is no, you're not going to when you you don't suddenly become who you are and who you're going to be forever. We're always constantly evolving and changing, and you know you're never going to get that cathartic moment of <laughs> now I've achieved whatever it is. There's still tomorrow. There's still the next day. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that symbology of the uh, the mule. Um, pulling along the carriage and they attach the little stick to the mule's um, head with the carrot in front mm -hmm. and the mule. So the mule keeps walking, trying to reach the carrot and never, never does, but thinks, okay, once I reach the carrot, then everything will be fine. And that's yep. kind of how we are as human beings. Absolutely. Yeah. And also and, I think this, uh, like... I certainly see that in the leather, leather scene. I'm yeah. Sorry, no, no. I was just going to say, you, you talked about these things that like we're quote unquote meant to do. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, there is no, there is no roadmap. And so we're all, they're all made up, right? We're all making it up as we go along. And so I think it's equally wonderful when I talk to Kingsters who forged their own map and, you know, <laughs> fell on their face in their own ways, because it's the same thing, no matter what kind of path you choose to go down or how you choose to, to, to go about it. Well, and I, I do want to, that's one of the things that's really, really important that what you just said there too, our, our paths are not supposed to look like each other's. I think there's mm. this, there's this misnomer that, that, the, the path in leather and kink is, is supposed to fit a certain template. 
you know, I, I think there's guidelines along the way, like certainly around consent and, you know, being respectful of each other. But, you know, what what turns you on and what is fulfilling for you and to what degree you want to be involved in your community is going to look entirely different than how that looks for me. And that's how it should be. We should have differences. We should have variations in our level of experience so that when we come together in a, in a communal setting, uh, it's a lot more interesting. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and it, I think it's also sort of like, that's true to, uh, you know, the nature of kink. No two people are the same and we can arrive at, you know, the same place, but come from completely different kinks, which I, I think is one of the most fascinating things that like, the ability to find other, to, you find your own way to a similar type of pleasure, which is like, yeah, I didn't think that was possible. I, I felt like I was so stuck in this rigid way of being and like letting go of all of that and realizing that I can actually enjoy other forms of pleasure was like so eye-opening and, and why I absolutely love kink for what it is. Isn't it amazing though? Because I mean, when you make that realization, it 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 seeps into other parts of your life that are non kink related. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. people don't understand that when you when you accept that part of yourself and when you celebrate that part of yourself, it it it's contagious. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a it has yeah. a very very positive effect on on those um, that hold company with you. I mean, even people that you interact with on a, on a day to day basis, like in your work. If you are more self-expressed, if you if you joyfully take ownership of who you are and celebrate who you are, that has a positive effect on the people that you interact with. Yeah, and I it's also you're radiating confidence in who you are because you, I mean, it is night and day how my life is now to where I was before. I was so unhappy and I was so miserable, and I thought that these were the worst things about myself, and I felt like I constantly had to ensure that nothing about this side of me was leaking out that you know i was so guarded and ugh, it, it, there is really something beautiful about you you open up so many doors when you accept this one thing about you and yeah i yeah. mean it like every aspect socially it, it completely changes the way that because i'm just at ease with myself and that's I feel like something you can recognize in other people. It puts you at ease oh, when absolutely. someone else is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. In terms of kink, what came first for you then? What was the thing that you were into? Like, how, how did it even begin? Gosh, well, I mean, I would, I would say bondage hands down. Uh, I remember as a three-year-old kid watching, uh, I think it was the old 60s Batman show um, <laughs> or gun smoke or or uh -huh. uh, cowboys and indians show of some kind or just uh where i saw a man tied up i think it was robin honestly in the batman and robin series mm -hmm. and i remember feeling something and i felt something very very deep and um i don't want to say i felt a sexual nature about it because because i can't you know, I, I, to what degree are you feeling sexuality as a three-year-old? Yeah. But at the same time, I did feel something that went beyond just you know a, a surface kind of kind of a feeling, and I wanted more. I I was just in, I knew I was different. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, was really yeah, that's that's really where where it all started. Media is a really funny thing when it comes to kink because you, you ask so many kinksters, and 
of of all ages of all different types of media like whatever it was it's like oh i saw this thing and i felt weird yeah i saw this thing on tv and i felt funny yeah yeah and it was uh so that was i mean the the other yeah, bonus was really like kind of the first thing and then the um the strongman uh and my love of facial hair came pretty soon thereafter i remember uh seeing a circus strongman for the first time um and i i believe it was a cartoon um i can't remember for sure but i was absolutely mesmerized by how he looked and um i don't remember the context of the of the the story but the um the guy who was the strongman didn't want to be the circus strongman i think he was like there's a hostage of some kind or or he fell under the spell of some evil wizard or something like mm. that. I can't remember what the deal was, but so the the wizard had this poor, you know, poor man with his head all shaved <laughs> and in a skin tight um outfit and then he took out a marker and drew a gigantic handlebar mustache on him and told him now go out there and be strong and and I remember I lost my mind as a kid watching it and I was just like, Oh, I want that done to me or I wanna just <laughs> Yeah. Something so simple as that cartoon, and I can still see it as light of day yeah. in my head. Oh, you need to find that cartoon. I, yeah, I would love to. I would love I, to. Yeah. The, the, okay, the Circus Strongman thing was definitely the f first thing I saw of yours that I was like, oh, I need to follow this. Because obviously anything remotely circus adjacent is, is my ears are immediately sort of pricking up. But that cartoon, you describing it, because I wanted to ask where the fetish for like beards and mustaches came from, and is it part of the circus strongman vibe? And everything you've just said has made it go like click, click, click for me. Like, yeah, it absolutely, it absolutely. Because I, because I had a love of bondage as well, so I created this whole story scenario in my head as this young child. I mean, like I was four or five, and <sighs> I, anytime I would see a strongman after that, I, I had it in my head that that the circus strongman out there were like blue collar workers that had been kidnapped uh -huh. off the street by the circus yeah. and behind closed doors, they were like put in stocks and their heads were shaved mm. and forcibly put in these little skin tight leotards and mustaches were like <laughs> crazy glued on their faces and they were forced to go out and perform and yeah. show these, you know, this big bravado to the audience. And then, you know, at the end of the, each night they would be put in cages like the rest of the animals yeah. and they were basically slaves to the to the circus and i have carried this fantasy out for a long time um i have wanted to be one of these strong men and then i on occasion enjoy turning gentlemen into captive strongmen mm. and that's you know anyone who wants to play with me and and be a part of it they they jump in and they they buy into the whole scenario you know i yeah i, I yeah i can very very much I would very much enjoy it. Well, okay, so I have promised several people now that they can shave my head, and I cannot remember now who has first dibs. So when it comes time, when I'm ready, uh, whoever it is that I happen to uh, be in it, I would totally, oh, I would, I would, I would absolutely go for that. Glue the mustache on, shave my head, force me to work out. I, I I was gonna ask where it comes from, and now I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> but you know, it, it's funny. Where does it where does it come from, too? I mean, that's that's just what it was for me. But but mm. 
I mean, a lot of people try to figure out where do they, you know, what, what what's the basis of their fetish and kinks. And I try to yeah. explain to people like that's like trying to figure out why you like the taste of black licorice. You know, something like that is a very very unique flavor that is that mm. that some people adore, but many people absolutely despise. And trying to figure out why you're unique, you're you're also implying that there's something wrong with you that that you have to logically figure out so that you can you know try to be some other way. And maybe our kinks and our fetishes are just how we're wired. And maybe if they're not harming anybody and all the parties involved are consenting adults, maybe we can actually just try not figure out what it's about, mm. but actually find a way of joyfully uh, engaging in it and then seeing how that benefits us. Yeah. I mean, there is something to absolutely 100% agree. However, I do also feel like there is something that fascinates me about... like. I'll never know, but I have theories as to like where all these things come from. And there's something about like, I think it's all of those things, right? It's, it's how we're wired and it's how we're raised and it's, 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 it's everything that forms who we are. But I don't know, there's something, I guess it's because there's something so raw about sharing this with other people. Cause I feel so deeply connected to people when we play together, because it's like, you know, we're bearing our souls in terms of this pleasure that we get from doing these things. And I feel like that it's almost like I'm trying to work something out. It's almost like I'm trying to, I don't know, play out this scene because it's been weighing on my mind since I was a child. And I think, I think that much curiosity can just be sort of like a healthy curiosity to sort of poke and prod and see where you go. But yeah, no, you're, you're totally yeah, you right. Just I, answer, I just think you. I think you just answered it with with how you were pondering it just now. I mean, maybe the what you were getting out of it is the. I'm gonna try to articulate it here. Um, it's hard with COVID brain. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, there is a certain rush you get into in in being able to be that vulnerable with fellow human beings and engage in something that turns mm. into something very celebratory and safe yeah. and fun and think about what else that opens up for you by being able to successfully engage in that. Self-acceptance is kind of a core theme of this podcast because I, you know, it's, it's showing people they aren't the weirdest person on the planet um, and that there's nothing wrong with them because that's, you know, that was me. I really, really felt that way. And I didn't see people posting the kinds of things you do where you really show what a, what a Dom or a master can, can be about. And like, that was really the thing that gripped me was I came, I came for the circus strongman, but I stayed for listening to you talk so articulately about doing exactly that. Like, sharing in this experience with someone and making it a comforting, safe, but also thrilling experience. And I'm really, it's it's making me more and more curious to just explore more. I'm really interested in like experiencing heavier bondage and submission because those were things that weren't natural to me. Those were things that like through my other kinks, I eventually started to kind of come to enjoy a bit more and a bit more. And so I'm kind of at the point now where I want to sort of gently dip my toes into seeing what it's like to be a slave a little bit, but that requires a lot of trust and I'm still, and the scene I hang out in 
so far I'm st- I, I still haven't really found my people there who uh, provide that. So I'm really, really, yeah, I don't know. It's my long-winded way of saying I really like the way that you articulate these things because it's exactly the kind of play that I enjoy. It's like there's, there's a lot of it is cerebral and then a lot of it is enjoying taking the thinking out of it and being the... You know, and, and thank you for, for, for saying that. I the way I articulate on my Twitter and in the videos and, and how I try to be with a lot of people, particularly with the newer generations, this is how I wanted to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, a lot of the messages that I'm putting out there for people are also reminders to myself or the things that I wish were said to me when I was say your age or, or younger. Um, just a little bit of background, and, th- and this might be a little bit heavy, but it's not meant to be. That's all right. Um, I, I grew up uh, with a, a tremendous amount of sexual abuse as a child uh, in, my, in my history. And I will say that there was, there was more than one male perpetrator. Uh, I won't go into details about, about who they were, but, but it went on for many, many years. And um, it, it, it got pretty ugly. I mean, it was, it was the kind of thing that my... my Parents were aware of it and looked the other way. Um, you know, my mother used um, alcohol and prescription drugs to to not have to look at at what was there. And then I had a, a very abusive stepfather who, um, you know, used to mentally abuse by saying, "Well, what are you doing to cause these things? And you know, why are you lying about these things?" I mean, just a, a tremendous amount of of shame and manipulation. And then on top of all that, I was dealing with having to come out of the closet and having to come out of the closet as a kinkster. And and on top of it, I was coming out when AIDS was killing people left and right. So I remember what the environment was like. And I remember the shame um, that the outside world wanted me to feel. I remember you know, all the religious doctrine that was being thrown at me. I remember the Reagan administration, you know, like telling us, you know, that we're, we're going to be punished by God. A lot like what's going on in this, in the States right now. It's all kind of goes mm. in circles. Yeah. And, um, it, it was really, really damaging. And, uh, and then none of it's true. You know, I mean, it's, it's, this is all bullshit. And I'm, stepping out to see to it that that future generations don't have to suffer like the, the way people in my generation did uh with that you know with those with those outside messages and um and i see it happen left and right and and it it tears me up and that's why you know i try to sit there and say like okay well you know actually um there's nothing wrong with you because you think you're broken um the fact that you think you're broken is actually what makes you perfect for all of this you know the fact that you're you've got life experience is going to enable you to actually like thrive in all of this you know i try to i try to say those messages because that's all we have so yeah i think um thank you for sharing that because i I mean, it's exa- I'm I'm just parroting really what you've just said, but it's for all my you know lip service to how um, you know nurturing and uh, and and affirming 
those videos that you make really, really are and how actually very touching they are as well um, to so many of us, I'm sure. It's it's that exact same thing where, well, of course, you are a product of everything that you've been through and what you've chosen to become out of that is immensely valuable to so many people and is so wonderful. And that's not to say that that's what you have to do when you, you know, you go through something terrible, but it is a reminder that you're not defined by any of those things and no, none of us are. Yeah, exactly. And I really love the healing power of kink. In that. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, they're just, you, you, I think there comes a point where you have to take a break from media. You have to take a break from um, political rhetoric and certainly the lies of religious doctrine um, because they're all out there to manipulate you. Um, and, and, and there's no truth to any of them. No. You know, I mean, it, it, there are so many people out there that, um, like, for instance, who have tried to shame me based on their religious beliefs. And the fact is, they're not even religion, religious. They're just, they're just bigots with Bibles. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just, they're choosing one or two things that they think is written um, in this book that wasn't even written in English. And, mm. uh, you know, they're trying to use it to back their, back their, back themselves up in the, their shaming of me. And really what they're doing is they're deflecting off of looking at their own shit. Well, I mean, it's that classic thing of it's it's projecting away from the self. It's I mean, I think that's the root of most bigotry is like, well, there's this thing about me that I don't like, so I'm going to really stick it to you. Yeah, exactly. And then, ha, you're worse than me. And so I feel a little bit better about myself, except, of course, that doesn't yeah. um, looking outwards doesn't fix what's inwards. Did you grow up with a religious family? No, uh, actually just the opposite i grew up with uh, <laughs> my mother was very metaphysical okay uh borderline q freak show um you know everything was like flying saucers and illuminati uh -huh. um just uh and, and she she's still alive and i've cut off all communication with her because she's batshit crazy but um you know didn't always she wasn't always that way i mean there's i there are a lot of positive things about my mother that i actually take to heart in who i am now um, but she also is kind of delusional and, um, has a very disempowering view of others. Yeah. So, um, it was just as damaging as uh, yeah. an overly religious parent might yeah. be. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not one thing or the other. It's just a correlation that, you know, has come up time and time again on this podcast where religion has really played such a crucial and damaging role in people's development and it's it's all this moralizing that doesn't doesn't add up doesn't make sense doesn't help anyone and it's none of it comes from a good place and i didn't grow up with a religious family but um but i do have family who ended up joining a cult and the i, I don't even want to really call it mental gymnastics because it's it's just a complete warping of of view and uh it's then the, the the you stand in that point, and so your point of view is completely skewed, and it's not, it's and and also it's not a case of being, uh, you know, gullible or dumb or anything like that. I mean, perfectly intelligent people can get suckered into this because they know exactly what to tell you. They know exactly what 
you feel like you're missing and what to feed you. And that's exactly what so much uh, religious bigotry originates from. So it's it's the same thing with another coat of paint. Like like you said, bigots with Bibles. It's it's the same fucking thing. And yeah, that 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 shit. One other thing, though, I want to say is that that exists though within our culture as well, though. I mean, you asked me about being a leatherman and a, and a leather master. Um, I can't tell you how many people in my generation, I mean, how many uh, men especially, um, refuse to evolve as leathermen. You know, they refuse to be accepting of the pup community. They they refuse to be accepting of my strongman kink, you know, it because it, they're stuck in what they call a traditional um, paradigm. And it's, I don't really call it traditional, I, I call it old-fashioned, and it, it reflects on a time that was very, very good for them, but it doesn't exist anymore. And um, it, it it comes across as very, very judgmental and uh, very, very disempowering, and it doesn't reflect what I consider to be a true leather trait. It's that stuff, I mean, I've not encountered it, but I've heard a lot about it, and it makes me, I, I just find that so... It's paradoxical. It, like, I mean, to to carve out your little spot of paradise and then go, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm weird, but but you're weirder. It's just like, how does that help? How is that any different from the cycle that you broke away from? Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And I'm not saying that I get every single kink out there. I'm not supposed to. That's not, mm. you know. That's why we can look away from the things that aren't for us and that's fine but to say that that person is stranger than me because their kink is different it's like that's just hypocritical and yeah what what i find fascinating is okay let's say i do find someone who is you know stranger than me but they have found a community of their own i think that that's fantastic because i think when you've got a community of strange that's that's empowering you know and I, I find that a, a need, I find that a, a reason to celebrate. Like, okay, you know what? You guys are all into this and I don't get it. I don't get it, but you've all found each other. And that's, that I do get. And that's, that I applaud, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I find it, I find it actually crazy that, um, that there is still disdain for the pup community because growing up from my perspective, like they were the in-group they were this this thing I didn't get. And I, I, I remember thinking, oh, if only I was a pup, my life would be so much easier. I would be completely open about being a pup because, you know, being a clown is so weird. Like, who's into that? And the idea that from some people's perspective, the pups were the weird ones. You know, it's just, again, it's, it's that thing of, I, and I guess in the same way that like rubber and latex are now so popular, it's the same thing of like, you find the right people for you, you make this chosen family, and then sooner or later, you kind of become the standard <laughs> from which some people are then going to look down on others. And it's like, just ludicrous. Yeah, that's crazy to me. You know, I, mean, one of the th- I mean, you have to understand, though, when I started off in leather, too, in the early 90s, shit was said to me, you know. Because I was the new generation, you know, and I uh-huh. was the generation that, oh, well, I don't understand because I'm using the internet. You know? <laughs> that was like, I, don't, I don't understand what it's really like to cruise into me because I've got the internet available. Now, I didn't really have much of the internet. I mean, I had dial-up, you know, and America Online and, and as a, a means, of, uh, means of hookup, but 
you know, I think that's, it's just the curse. Every single, you know, every older generation looks at future generations, you know, Mm. with judgmental eyes and, and I mean, I don't think I, you just don't have to. And it's like, I mean, I find that very funny because isn't that what we're fighting for so that the, the next generation have it easier so that the next generation, like, I mean, gatekeeping cruising culture, which, you know, again, is just, it's like, well, how are you keeping it alive then? If it's just for you, you know? I think you know one one of the things that that I, th- that I think goes on is that is that people people don't want to lose their significance. You know, people people don't want to disappear. Mm. Um, they don't want to lose what was glorious for them. And I decided for myself that what was glorious for me back in the '90s is not sustainable. It's not supposed to be sustainable. Like that's, that's glorious for that time. And I'm going to become a better person and move into the next decade with what I learned and then make something new that's glorious. And, and I like to challenge myself. I like to, to be uncomfortable and to, to realize that the paradigm I've been living in now is obsolete and needs to change. And, and, you know, I like, I like reinventing myself to be significant to newer generations. You know, that's how we build bridges. That's that's how I, as an older Leatherman, uh, nurture and help a younger Leather person grow. You know, it's a two-way street. I learn from them as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're never done learning. And also, I totally, the thing about, uh, I, yeah, I don't like being comfortable for too long. Because every single experience that I've had that was say life-changing or you know every single time it has been I pushed myself to do something I was scared to do and the first kink event I went to completely changed my entire life so I came I mean I I did things I never thought I'd ever want to do I tried things I thought I'd never want to try I realized what my goals were I realized that I was completely unhappy not living this version of me that's far more authentic to who I wanted to be and I realized that the moment beforehand when I said to myself uh I could just I could just not go like oh I don't know this is I could just turn back now let's let's just go home because I have butterflies in my stomach and I'm nervous and then I went no that means I'm excited I can go and if I hate it I, I, I can leave there is really something about like being too comfortable for too long that makes me just go no I'm not I'm not getting it. <laughs> you know, it's perfectly okay to be scared, but but take the jump anyway. Yes, yeah. You know, if you, uh, I remember, uh, so I'm definitely afraid of heights. And I remember I went skydiving. Um, and it was, uh, I was going to do a static jump where, where I was by myself. And I was only going to have six seconds of free fall. The, the ripcord was attached to the airplane. So I was going to jump. Wait, sorry, by yourself? By myself, yeah. Yeah, so static line. So so you jump from the plane, and, the, and basically the chute gets pulled as soon as you jump. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So so you're only doing a free fall for about six seconds. That's that's about all I would be good for uh, with with my fear. But I wanted to do this experience because I thought, what what if I could experience skydiving regardless of my fear of heights? Like I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it to try to cure my fear of heights. I wanted to just experience what it, what it would be like to have this yep. thrill regardless of the fear like maybe the fear is not going to go away maybe the fear has absolutely nothing to do with the experience yeah and i remember sitting on that plane and and the door being opened 
and it makes my makes my palms sweat thinking about it right now. <laughs> and and the dive master looked at me and he said, "You can remember, you can always change your mind." Yeah. And at that moment, I kind of got the whole thing to my life. I thought, you know, actually, he's right. I I could yep. choose to stay in the plane and not go. And my life will look the way it has always looked. Mm-hmm. And is that okay to me? Or do I want to see what's on the other side of this? Yeah. And that's why I chose to jump. Because I'm like, I, I don't want to choose what's predictable. I want to see what my life looks like. Yeah. Embracing my fear and jumping anyway. And uh, and I'm so glad I did. You know, and I actually went again. <laughs> after, after I landed, I went up and did it again. No way. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll surprise yourself. I had a very similar experience with like um, zip lining, and I okay, just uh-huh. same thing. You know, I was just like, no, 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 to like, no way, no way, no way. And you, your face, you know, forward. This is like off a mountain, and did it, and was like, I want to just go immediately up and do it again. And I remember in the moment thinking, like, I'm never gonna let fear stop me from doing something again, because up until that point in my life fear had dominated so many times. I just not gone to the, you know, the smallest thing avoided a social engagement just cause I, I didn't, I felt nervous or whatever it was, you know? And I just thought, do you know what? I can do it. And, and you can do it. I was talking to somebody else, very similar thing who was saying to me like, Oh, um, you, you know, all these things that you're doing now, it's really cool. I'd love to do stuff like that. And I was like, you can do it. He said, oh, no, I'm way too anxious. And, you know, you've got this whole sociability thing down. I was like, absolutely not. And if I fooled you into thinking that, then I've, you know, achieved my <laughs> my goal. I'm deathly afraid of so many things. And I'm incredibly self-conscious and anxious and scared to do these things. But it's the fact that I, I still want to do it. And I never thought I could be that person. So the fact that you think that, I promise you, you can be that person. Yeah, yeah. Do you like muscles on other people? I'm I'm sorry? (laughs) Sorry, my brain just went somewhere else. No, my brain just went, do you like muscles on other people? Oh, God, yes, yes. Okay, because I was going to ask where that comes from for you and whether that was the circus strongman aesthetic. Yeah, in fact, I have have like a brand new strong boy uh, that I have taken on um he's actually in the uk oh strong boy. and he's a bodybuilder and um what one of the things that's very joyful for me in the connection is the fact that i is that i will be transforming him into the strongman aesthetic which it goes against his the way he presents in everyday life how in what way well it just because he presents as a, you know as, as a as a very you know kind of gorgeous model and he's got this very long hair and, and uh, <laughs> you know he's 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 strappingly gorgeous but uh we actually we actually both modeled for uh for matt spike that's that's how we know each other oh cool. um, but the arousal for him is to not recognize himself and the arousal for me is to take his identity away and to turn it yes. into something that arouses me so um dude hearing you talk about uh, yeah i i really really so like the reason I asked was I have absolutely no physical, I, I I don't, I've never been attracted to people's physiques uh, in that way. And so for me, I'm just like, I don't want to do that. That's not interesting to me. That's not sexy to me. But the idea of you 
t- like transforming me suddenly like that clicked in my head i was like i love that idea it's the same as just gluing on the mustache that's mm-hmm. there's something so exciting about that yeah i can really get behind that and when i do this to men i mean i you know i they're not able to to undo what i've done to them you know i mean the the outfit is locked on the mustache is crazy glued on so it can't be taken off immediately um you know for many of them i shave their head so even if they want out i'm the one who controls so they're stuck. So, when they, so you know, even if they were to like run away from me, if they looked in the mirror, they would still be stuck in the image that I, of the strong man that I put on them. Yeah, I fucking this is... love it. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, me too. Um, I mean, this is so many of the things that I like to do with with clowning. I like to like I'm going to paint your face and I'm going to glue the nose on, and you're going to look in the mirror, and you now cannot walk around anywhere without people laughing at you. Same kind of thing that I, I really like this idea. This is like another version of doing that. Just another element to the circus. <laughs> I love transformation. Oh yeah, absolutely. That like identity wipe. Look in the mirror and... Mm, mm. And the permanence of it. I really like saying to people like, once I've done this to you, even though you take the makeup and the nose off... I still did it. It's still there. You're still a clown. Like there's a there's an internal transformation that's taken place. Mm-hmm. And I think something like becoming a strong man that's almost like you really can't escape that. Every time you look at yourself you're going to see that. Well, yeah, you know when I put the I'll put the tight singlet on them and there's I mean there's no pockets. There's nothing, you know. There's nothing to hide keys in or something like that. I mean, that's all you're wearing. So you're very so that in and of itself is very you know makes you feel very very vulnerable. And so then I might, you know, take them out on a leash and I say, okay, well, this is who you are for the evening, strong man. So, so sit there, grunt as you will, and you'll basically be my bodyguard tonight, but don't try anything funny because this is how everybody sees you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, See, I'm looking to explore more of those kind of experiences. Um, Especially, I think that's how my subby sides uh, manifests in, I want to be treated like an object that you control and whether that's an object for your amusement or I serve a purpose or a function or it's, you know, I'm just a puppet, whatever it is. I really, really love that like mm-hmm. transformative element and that like, here's your new <laughs> self. There's, um, there's some, er- there's some earlier uh, uh, stuff of me on Twitter that you've seen were that involved the fake beard that I've enjoyed playing with and, I remember oh, yeah. about four years ago, there was a, there was a very, very preppy uh, young man locally that uh, he's since moved to another city, but but he used to come over and play all the time. He looked like this little collegiate boy, you know, clean shaven, you know, wearing polo shirts and, and you know, very kind of young business-like. And, and um, I remember there was one night where where we enslaved him, basically, and I glued that, that long black beard mm-hmm. on his face. The beard you can tell it's fake, even even though it's a, it's a high quality theatrical beard. But when you go out to yeah. a bar, you know, with the the indirect lights, you know, and kind of the flashing lights and the darkness and stuff like that, then you can't always tell. So we were using that to our advantage, and I put the beard on him, and um, we put a uh, motorcycle racing suit on him, and uh, the the do rag, and um, some restraints, and we took him out like that, and everybody 
thought he was an actual biker. And he said he felt so helpless because nobody recognized him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he would, and he, and I said, don't you reveal who you actually are to anybody. <sighs> and he said, I mean, he would go and, and, and friends of his like didn't catch who he really was. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just one of those little, like, I want to do that alternative mind fuck things that, that uh-huh. goes hand in hand. Okay. So my friend who is a slave, he, his master does really, I, I mean, he really enjoys being mind fucked in little ways. And it's, um, less with, less playing with identity. Cause it's mostly that he'll just be, you know, serving him as a slave and, you know, he'll be in the corner with his restraints on or whatever it is. But he does things where he just kind of confuses him. Like he'll tell him what they're doing, but not give him all the details. And then he'll say, we're going now. And he gets, uh, he has a motorbike, he gets on the bike and then they'll drive past where he thinks they're going just to take him to his place, then goes in, gets something and then drives back somewhere else. You know, just, just this element of mind fucking where it's like, he's constantly in a position of not, uh, of being on the back foot of constantly being like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I guess I didn't know. And it just, he says it, you know, it kind of makes him feel stupid. (laughs) Like he just doesn't know what's going on. And at any point he, you know, is is, is ready for just the, (laughs) to be led away and told, oh, this is, this is what's happening instead. I did something like, so with my husband who just walked by in the background, um, our very first play date, uh, so he, he was living here in Virginia beach and I was living with some friends down in Raleigh, Durham. And these friends owned this this ginormous house um, that was previously owned by uh, someone who had Lou Gehrig's disease. So there was actually an elevator inside the house for his wheelchair. And when uh, when I first set up the play date uh, for him to come down, he, of course, had looked up on Google Earth and he saw this house isolated amongst all of these woods and stuff like that. And and uh, uh, upon his coming in, I, I I put a straitjacket on him and a and a hood, and I kind of like spun him around to disorient him, and then I put him in the elevator, and I sent him up to the the master bedroom, and then down, and and I think he was saying he swore he was going down several stories down to this <laughs> underground, you know, lair where I was going to be selling him or something like that. It was <laughs> same idea of, of trying to cause disorientation. Wow, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. I see. Clearly, there is a part of me that sort of craves. I didn't know this about me, but clearly, there's a part of me that craves this kind of submission that I need to start exploring more because that is very exciting. How old are you, Thamask? Uh, Twenty-seven. Okay. One of the things that that is really, really awesome for people of your generation now is there's a lot more of you starting in your twenties. Mm. For my husband and I, it was. Like you would even think of engaging in this kind of stuff in your in your twenties. We didn't even know it was available, and um, you know, much less having you know safe outlets to to do it. It's really really refreshing to see so many younger people starting their their king journeys early and and kind of just like owning who they are at a very very early yeah. age. I think that's really really awesome. And you've got so much time ahead of you to explore this and to curtail it and and discover what what works for you and you know what kind of connections you want i'm glad that i'm here i i really am because it it did take me a little while in the sense that i always knew this about myself and yet 
it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I even began embarking on this journey. But I did, uh, I've got a friend who uh, is, oh God, I think he only just turned 20 now. He's like a very, very young person. And I'm so often reminded just how little we have in common now. But anyway, he, um, he just from the get-go, like knew what he wanted knew what he wanted to experience and i just thought that was the coolest thing and yeah it it is really 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 cool to see and i'm but again i'm also like there is no moment at which something is too late or you're missing out and oh absolutely you could start tomorrow because you don't want to because if you sit there and say oh this is all going to happen when you're young there's something very ageist about that oh totally yeah you know, I want to deliver this message for people older than my generation as well. Mm. Like, it's never too late to to explore these sides of yourselves. Now, when you get older, there's you know, there's things that we have to be conscious of. We have to be conscious of our hearts and you know, blood pressure and and things like that. But that just that just falls in line with any kind of self care, no matter what age you do. Yes. that's just being yeah. a, a a responsible human being to yourself. But you can still go out and you can you can still explore and yeah, yeah. And I mean that's a part of kink, right? It's like safety and responsibility. Yeah. Okay, I'm just looking at the time. Have you got a, a yay for the day to end on? Explain to me what a yay for the day is, and I will try to uh... just just like um, God damn it, nobody does the homework. Um, just just a like a positive thing to end on. Just something that's made you smile this week. Anything. I well, I come up with one as well. I forgot to do it. What's that? I forgot as well, so I'm trying to come up with one quickly. <laughs> so my big yay for the day is um, I'm a Star Trek geek. Mm-hmm. I'm a hopeless Star Trek geek. And Very cool. I remember how much I used to enjoy watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And um, that series with, uh, with Patrick Stewart back in the uh, 90s coincided with when I first started exploring my kink and I remember uh, my college roommates and I we would we would all watch Star Trek and this and that and then they used to go off and do drag and I used to go to the the leather bars and stuff like that and I've stayed in touch with um, all my roommates back then and we're still really really close and um, I watched the finale of uh, Star Trek Picard where the whole entire cast you know uh, met up again to uh, to make an appearance and um it was basically this like big reunion of the cast 35 years later and it brought back the joy that i had in first exploring my kink at the same time as i was watching star trek next generation wow. just and watching all of those actors come back and still find joy in those roles 35 years later i'm able to 30 plus years later still find joy in who i'm being so that's my little metaphor, my my kind of like an analogy nice. that I was very present to. Maybe that's silly. We'll blame the COVID. No, that's great. That's a really good one. I really like that. Um, fuck, all the ones that I wanted to do, I realized I've already done. Um, so mine's going to be a bit of a cop out, but uh, mine's going to be my partner, actually, because I don't think he's ever been my yay um, since starting this podcast. And that's not fair because... Uh, he does so much for me and uh, he's, he's believe it or not, vanilla. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I cannot understand it. I, I don't understand how he gets through life, but um, 
he was a massive part of my kink journey in the sense that he encouraged me to go out and meet people and start exploring. And, you know, it took me five years to come out to him. And when I did, he, he treated it like it was just this novel thing that he welcomed. And, uh, so all of this journey has, has really been, uh, been down to him in a way. Um, and so the past few weeks have been quite rough for us because, um, we just lost our cat Charlie. Um, oh, sorry. Very slowly. Yeah, it, I'm just taking each day as it comes at the moment. But today, especially, it kind of comes in waves. And today, especially, it was just hard. But he's been so supportive in so many ways. So um, he's going to be my yay for the day. But I'm not going to plug any of his socials because uh, he has <laughs> got nothing to do with the community whatsoever. Um, but yeah, that's my yay. Wonderful. Um, Dart, thank you so much for uh, talking with me um, and sharing your story. Where can people find you online? So so my biggest amount of traffic is is my Twitter, which is Dart's Domain. And uh, that's where you'll see all of the the fun stuff. You know, all of the kink and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but also my little moto- my my little monologues that I that I say to everybody, where you know I try to tell, remind everybody that they're not broken and you know who they are is okay. And someone described me as the Mister Rogers of leather, and uh, I I would love to take ownership of that kind of description because I think Mister Rogers was a really amazing person when it came to a person's development, but. Um, I'm also, I do have an Instagram. It's, um, it's a little more censored. Yeah. Um, has to be dark strong man. And, um, I also, you know, I do have a Patreon and, um, a, uh, adjust for fans and the links to those are, are on my Twitter, but, uh, start at the Twitter and then see where that takes you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with the Mr. Rogers analogy. I see that. Absolutely. I buy that. Um, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at T Stota. Fuck Instagram. They banned me for no reason. So I'll make another one eventually. Um, but yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you for uh, chatting that with me and join us next week as we go under the big top. Hey guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings The Big Top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over The Big Top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the Hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use, and their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. 
it's time to share your story.